That is, it. That is around. Um, we're in our series here, summer's, Summer at BC, and uh, we've been talking about some really practical stuff, talking about what the Bible calls the armor of God. And we're actually going to close out that series today. But we've been talking about things like the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate or the armor of righteousness, the shoes of peace, and last week too we talked about the shield of faith. I want to go ahead and read to you this, this verse we've been reading where we've been hanging our hat. This is in Ephesians chapter 10. Ooh, where did that come from? There we go. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. In verse 11, it says, put on all this stuff we've been talking about. This, I'm giving you stuff to defend you. I'm going to, we're going to talk about today. God's giving you an offensive weapon. Put on all this armor so you'll be able to stand against everything your enemy. We have an enemy. Is a real devil, and he really wants to, to take you out. In verse 12 there. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, against evil rulers and authority. What we're fighting against, the Bible says, is basically this. The devil and all his minions. The devil, and he's got all these little buddies that he sends out to, to do his bidding and, and to come against us. And the Bible said that's who we're fighting against, not the person or the flesh, or people in your neighborhood, or the people sitting beside you. Um, it's not against flesh, but it's against the devil. And then it ends by saying this, Therefore put on all, every piece of your armor, so you'll be able to resist, and then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Today we're going to talk about the last, the last piece. It's, again, they're out of, we did them out of order. But it's in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, that says this. He talks about the helmet of salvation. And then he says, and there's a reason these are two are paired together, because they have to do with the same thing, just a different perspective of the same thing. It says, the helmet of salvation, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is, and say this with me, which is the Word of God. See, Paul here is referencing um, the Roman swords, and there were two main swords that they used. One was a broad sword. But you had to be a man's man to hold one of these. These broadswords are four or five foot tall, weighed a ton, and they were huge swords that the biggest, baddest dudes swung. But those weren't the most feared of all the, the Roman weaponry. The one that was most feared, and I'm probably going to say this wrong, is called a machaira. And it's a short, two to three foot long sword that's curved and sharp on both sides. And you'll, that'll make sense to you as we read this verse is actually called a double-bladed. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of God is alive and powerful. We're going to read this again in a minute. But it says it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. So there is a reason that Hebrews says this, because that's what they were referring to. The two-edged sword, the double blade, actually, the to get a little teachy on you today, the... If you look it up, the Greek word they're using there actually specifically refers to this double-edged sword. Well, why is this so important? Because I think Paul knew that this sword that they used, the Romans, this Machaira sword, was their offensive weapon. It's what they used when they wanted to come after you, when they wanted to get up close and personal. They couldn't really do it with a big giant sword. The big giant swords was like the clearinghouse. It was the the human weed whacker, if you want to, it would, they would swing it and just clear the path. But when they wanted to get up close and personal, they used this little extremely sharp sword. That Paul knew that this was an offensive weapon, and he wanted us to take that same sword and 
again, we talked about last week that people think, oh, God's peace is passive. No, God's peace was powerful. Well, just like his peace is powerful, his word, the Bible tells us, is an offensive weapon. Not offensive like offend you, but offense like offense and defense. See, a lot of times I think as Christians, we sadly, we just play defense. We just try to defend the goal. We're the, goal, we're the goalie and the devil throws stuff at us and he's trying to quote score and we just kind of just try to block stuff and just try to survive that way. That's really not what the Bible teaches and what we're supposed to be doing. Now, God gives us the armor to do it. We talked about last week, he gave us the shoes of peace that uh, were meant to keep us upright and to keep us from falling down because the Roman soldiers knew if they fell, then they were dead. So he gives us all of that, but he really intends us to take the battle to the devil, not just wait and let the devil show up and then deal with it. For us to go out and say, hey, we're going to go do what God's asked us to do and be able to take it, take it to the devil when he tries to come at us. Look what the Bible says in Revelations chapter 1, which, by the way, footnote, if you're looking and say, God, I really want you to bless me, do you know Revelations is the one book that says that, that God will bless those who read these words and then do what it says? It's the only book in the Bible that says that. Specifically, when you're just reading the words, the Bible says that God will bless you. There's you a, a good nugget for today. You're welcome. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 16, it says, this is God talking. He says, he held the seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword in his other hand. Where does it say it was? It came from his, his mouth. Well, wait a minute. If you've been here, you've heard me say, Clint, I thought you said the belt of truth was the word of God. Here's where we talk about the word of God is, is not just text on a page. See, the, the belt, the written word of God is the truth that everything builds on. We talked about the belt held everything together. But there are actually three different words that refer, in the Greek language, that refer to the written, the word of God. Again, if you're visiting with us this week, you're visiting online, a little more teachy than I normally am. But I thought this was really interesting. Um, and it was interesting to me, so I hope it will be to you. But the first one is this word, I don't know how you say it. We're rednecks, so we probably say graphy, but I'm sure that's not how you say it. Um, it literally refers to the actual ink on the paper or the book itself. It's sad, but most of us never know God's word beyond this. It's the coffee table book. It's what's that dusty old book that sits on your coffee table or on the corner, in the corner of your house that you've never opened, that you never read. Or sadly, in the years that I've worked with the, with the law enforcement guys, and they pull somebody over, and there's a dusty old Bible in the, in the back of the car, sitting in the back dashboard. Where do you think people hide stuff they're not supposed to have? In the Bible. You'd be amazed how much stuff you find in people's Bibles. That's all they know the word of God is. It's, it's this book. It's just this, sub, this massive text that I don't understand, and it... It's over my head, and that's all they see. Well, see, then there's this next word, the, this word called logos or logos, depending on how you pronounce it. It refers to the meaning of the Bible, its explanation, understanding, and the application of the book by the hearer. The Bible says that we're not, that we're, we're not supposed to steal. Okay, By not stealing, I'm following 
the, the logos, the word of God. It, the Bible goes on, and Hebrews again referring to it, this is that verse we read a minute ago, it says, for the word of God is alive, this is that word logos, is alive and powerful. In other words, it, it, it has the, the ability to impact your life. It goes on this where it says about the sharpest two-edged sword, and it talks about cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes, in other words, the, the word can go from macro to big. Hey, um, live this way. Live a holy, righteous life to micro to going straight into to Mark's life and going, I, hey, there's these little bitty areas. I was reading last week a, an article because it just amazed me that they can do this. That they have the, if you've seen the robotic surgeries, have you all seen these? And they can actually be in L.A. in a hospital, and you be in Savannah, and they're doing microscopic surgery on hearts and brains. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want to count on the network. <laughs> I don't want to be knowing I'm counting on the Internet to stay connected for my surgery to be finished. But that's how good that they are. They can actually get in, and, and they're, they're taking out microscopic pieces of, of people's brains and the the medical wisdom that I think God has given us is just amazing. But see, the Bible says, hey, God can get down deep in you deeper than that. That they can actually draw a line between your soul and your spirit, which we as humans really can't even, even define. But it's this, it's this word that has meaning to me, meaning different than just reading a book that means to me, but w words that have power in my life. Then there's the word that we get when they use the word talking about sword, and this is what he's referring to. And you may have heard this before, but it's the word rhema. And it's the word of God illuminated. The Bible teaches us as you learn the Bible and as you get, even if you're newly saved, you get comfortable with God and listening to him as you read your Bible. The Bible says that he opens up stuff to you. Now, for those of you who have been saved a while, have you ever read the same scripture over and over and over for years? And it just is letters on a page. It's just in a book. It doesn't really mean anything. And then all of a sudden, it just like hits you right between the eyes. Like, I get it now. I see it. That's the rhema word of God. It's just giving us this personal, individual direction guidance. It's, it's looking at the Bible and reading it on your phone or your iPad or on the, you know, for you old-fashioned people, the, the pages of your Bible and you've read it a thousand times, but suddenly it just jumps off the page at you. That's not because you suddenly became smart, and you suddenly just got educated. That's what the Bible says, the Holy Spirit in you kind of flips the blinders, and now you see it. That's what God's talking about here. The Bible says in John 6, 63, that the Spirit alone, notice the capital S, gives us eternal life, that human effort accomplishes nothing, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and what? Life. They're moving. They have power again. They, they have impact. I love the way the message version reads this. In, in the same, same verse in the message, it says, Every word I've spoken to you, and notice here, it really should be a capital S because it's God's spirit. The spirit word and is life-making. It has impactful power. It can create in you. It, can, it begins to, to grow God in us. You see, rhema is this. Rhema is this, God's word to you. 
Let me give you another. Some of you have been around here a while. Whether it's me or anybody that's on this platform talking. Anybody ever sat out there? Like, I mean, I, I've done it. You sit out there and it's like whoever's standing in the, the message or maybe you're watching online and listening. And it feels like it's just you and the person talking. Like they're just, we, if you grow up in the church like I have, they used to call it reading your mail. Like, did you have my house tap last night? Because my wife and I were arguing about this exact same thing and then you preached on it. You guys come up to me all the time. Did my husband tell you what we did? Did my wife, did my kids, my kids told you, didn't they? Now, kids, I know they talk to the children's church people, which, by the way, they do. If you don't, if you don't want your business known, then don't argue in front of your kids because they're going to come over here and they tell Miss Sherry and Miss David and Jenny and all the team over there, my parents last night, you should have heard what my mama said. My dad said, well, you're never going to do that. And they just, they'll tell you a whole story. My girls did it. People come back over. We can't believe you're the pastor. I was like, well, we're human. So if you don't want your kids, you don't want your stuff known, don't do it in front of your kids because they're going to tell them. But the, see, the, this thing to us is it's that you're talking to me. And it's not. What it is, is somehow in God's infinite wisdom, he knew you were going to be here today, knew you were going to be sitting here. And weeks ago, because a lot of these messages, I may not know word for word what's gonna, what we're going to be doing, but I know in general chunks. And suddenly you show up here today, deal, or show up here last week, for instance, somebody came and said, hey, I was dealing with that faith. I was wanting to make it all me, a private faith, but you're talking about this public faith of being together with people where you, you were talking to me. That's what the rhema is. Like you're the only one in the room. Again, it's sitting at home reading your Bible, like I know we all do, right? Yes. And, and it's just, it comes alive. And you really, I can explain this until I'm blue in the face, but until you trust me and venture out and just read your verse a day, read, you know, go to your, your Bible app and read something, until you trust me and it becomes, and you give God that opportunity to turn on the light and to hear it and, and see it, then it's going to be kind of hard for you to understand what this rhema really feels like. But this is the sword. And it's important that you understand it's a sword. It's important that you do experience it, understand it as rhema, because, again, it's an offensive weapon. I had a baseball coach, and in high school, I wasn't the greatest athlete in the world, but I, as I was quick with my hands, I didn't have a strong arm, but I was a pretty good hitter. So I, I, my high school career, I was the leadoff hitter. And I was the kind of guy playing baseball that I, didn't, I either went down swinging or I got on base. I didn't stand there and wait for you to walk me. I, didn't, I, didn't, I was too impatient. And my coach would tell the guys after me who they take pitches and they take a third pitch in baseball. And when you do that, you take it and it's a strike. They put, you put a backwards K. And the backwards K means... You struck out, but you struck out and didn't swing. And our coach used to tell us, why do you even take a bat up there if you're not going to swing it, right? If you're just going to stand there, and I know we got some coaches in the room, if you're just going to stand there and look at it, you don't need the bat. Well, a lot of us do this with God's word. The Bible says it's a sword, and we have it, and we can use it. Well, we just leave it in the car. We don't take it. We, we leave it at home. And the Bible says, no, it's actually something you can use, and it can be words that come out of your mouth. It can be something you proclaim, 
and you'll see in a little bit, has the exact same power that Jesus tells us, you'll be able to do what I did. And then he adds this on the end. He goes, oh, by the way, you'll, you'll be able to do even more. Look what the Bible says here in Matthew 4, 4. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. But Jesus said, no, the scriptures say that people don't live just by bread alone. In other words, they were trying to feed him. and The disciples were worried about feeding these people. And Jesus said, no, 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 you're missing it. He said, but they live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You see, the Bible says that those very words through us has the same power because it's God's word in us. God's word planted in us. So you need to understand this, that God gives us the ability to speak life. Here's the flip side of that. He will also let you speak death because it's your free will. The Bible says, look at this. This is the prophet in the Old Testament. It's a prophet named Jeremiah. And this verse, it's just, it's not misunderstood maybe, but it's just, I don't think we catch how powerful this is. The Bible says, then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth. Talking about, this is Jeremiah talking. And the God says to Jeremiah, look, I have put my words in your mouth. And then he says in the next verse, now that you've got my words, today I'm going to appoint you to do something. You're going to go against nations and kingdoms. Some of them you're going to uproot. Some of them you're going to tear down and destroy, overthrow. And others you're going to build up and plant. In other words... You are going to be able to create, speak into your life, use those. He says, those words in your mouth have power. In the same way, words to the negative, words of, of, now be honest, because we all say it, even me, and I catch myself, I still say it, and it's dumb to say. If you see something amazing, like, wow, and what do we say? That, that kills me. Really? Like we hear, even now, whatever side of the political aisle you're on and somebody says something you disagree with, man, that just kills me when people say that. Really? It does? Even if y'all know Emma, she's 19, she's my special needs, she's literal. Like you don't say anything to her that you, you can't say, well, I'll see you in a little while because it's like, okay, where are we going? You know, y'all don't ever tell her, hey, are, are you going to the beach? I'm going to the beach because she says, Oh, yeah, well, if you're going to the beach, I'm going to the beach. And then we hear about it for the next six months. When are we going to the beach? Because she's literal. You see, I think a lot of us, we don't understand that when we begin to say those things, even though in jest, the Bible says there is literal power in our words. If you don't believe there's power in our words, talk to your kids. Talk to your kids who are in school and are told things about themselves that aren't true. Kids who, who are bullied and beat up because of the, their, this idea, remember the old cliche that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never, it's a lie. Words kill. People kill themselves merely because of words. But the great thing is that God speaks and on one edge, that's one edge of the sword. And here's the way I kind of believe. This is just this according to Clint. That when God speaks, it's the slash forward. 
when we speak it again, the Bible says it's slashed back. It cuts both directions. It, it's effective. And it, because it, I'm confessing it. Some of you may have heard this story. Let me tell it. I've told it several times before. But I think you can actually be fighting for your life. I think a lot of us unconsciously, again, are really fighting against our life. Because we say things like, that kills me. I'll never. We'll never. Anybody ever said this? We'll never pay this off. Anybody ever said, my marriage is never going to get better. My kids are never going to listen. Now, how many of you have said this? We say it in joke, and I've said it too. I have the worst kids. All your... You're grinning because we all said it. And some of you kids are looking at mom and dad like, you really say that about me? Yeah, we do. My kids are just terrible. Or you're, you're the most horrible person. We use hyperbole, right? That's the worst thing in the world. No, it's not really. But it's, it's words that the Bible tells us. And I, I was telling this story. This is what brings this to my mind. That I remember... And I can't remember who was all sick, but basically my whole house was sick. And we were in our old house, and my old house is in the neighborhood, and not far from the road. And, like, it was one of those things where, like, kid number one gets it, and it's coming out of both ends and everything. It's just awful. All the nastiness you can imagine with kids. And then number two gets it, and then mom gets it, and then dad gets it. And finally, I had, had enough. And, one, and we were all home. I wasn't in the office that it was where everybody of course is in school and all we're all home sick and I remember going to the front door and opening the front door and at the top of my lungs screaming devil get out now I was probably a little delirious because I hadn't slept in a week but I it, it God reminded me of that and ain't, it regularly reminds me of that see I think a lot of times the Bible we don't understand that the Bible says we have that authority we have the authority to stand there and go, uh-uh. And some of us need to get, y'all can't tell Mabel and Emma I said this. I'll just give you the, some of us need to get a little PO'd at the devil. And get off our rear ends and go, and go I, I, I'm not doing this anymore, devil. You're not coming at my marriage. You're not coming, you know, whatever you're struggling with, whatever issues, addictions, whatever it is. Some of us need to put our foot down and go, no more. And it's not my powers because the Bible says I have the power to put this to a stop and I'm going to do it today. That's a great place to say amen. Amen, Clint. Thank you. Because there's times in my life where I had to do the same thing. No more. I'm not. And I did that day. I go back to a friend of mine. I had a, when I first started working with the fire guys, I had a, a captain that I knew. And one of the first fires I went to was they got to the front door. The front door wouldn't open. And in my ignorant little mind, I'm thinking, oh, what are we going to do? They're going to take a tool and, you know, open the door. And this, I looked over, and the captain was about 6'4". He just backed up and went, and just kicked the door down. And I stood there like, holy cow. Like, y'all need to train us how to do that. That was awesome. Some of us need to take that same attitude with, with our families and with the, what the devil's coming against us. And you need to go to the devil's front door and it's like, devil, I'm here. And just kick the front door in and say, I have the authority to put you in your place. I have the authority to take this sword and cut you up into little pieces. Because the Bible says that we can do that, but we don't. We just put on, and if you do this, I'm not 
mentioning anybody in particular, but this is one of my little soapboxes. We put on faith. Just pray for me. God knows. Of course he knows. He knows everything. Now why not put on the face on Facebook? Hey, I'm believing for complete healing, and I'm asking you to believe with me. If you don't believe with me, just keep your mouth shut. Right? When we dealt, when we first learned about Emma, we were very particular for what years about who we really told. Not because we were afraid of it, because I didn't want people coming up to me and going, "Well, it'll be okay one day, maybe." No, we're still 19 years later, every night telling and proclaiming over Emma out loud that you are whole, complete, and lacking nothing. And it, we may see Jesus when it happens, but we're still going to be standing there going, thank you, God, because it happened. And some of us need to get that upset. Some of you men, need to, we need to take that to our house and get, put the devil on notice. I'm coming, I'm coming after you. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, that the tongue can bring death or what? Or life. And those who love to talk are going to reap the consequences. In other words, it goes both ways. You're planting seed. I said last week, you're either planting the seeds of God or the weeds of your life. One or the other. And all of our words are doing this. And as I was studying about this week, I keep thinking, about, man, I said that last week and I shouldn't have said that. God thought, you know, and I began to see this in my own life. But I need you to leave with this today. I need you to hear me. Jesus is very clear. We have the same authority as Jesus. You say, oh, you can't say that. That's sacrilegious. You're not like Jesus. No, I'm not like Jesus. But thank God the Bible says that Jesus is in me. You're not like Jesus. Some of you, some of you guys that you think we got it all together and you think you're above all this, let me just bring you down to reality. You're not. And the same devil that's after me is after you. The same God that saved me, though, saved you. The same God that said, I have authority, has given you the same authority to kick the door in and say, devil, no more. Or to go home today and go, devil, get out. And it may shock. You may shock your husband or your wife when they see you standing in the front door. You may want to warn them. Like, kids, honey, I'm about to get loud for just a minute, but I'm okay. Because they're going to think you lost your mind. No, I'm saying I'm good. I'm just about to give the devil a warning. He's got to get out of here. And not because I say he's got to get out of here, but because God says he needs to get out of here. This is hard for us to wrap our brains around. Be honest. And I want to raise your hand. If you, if you don't agree, don't raise your hand. How many of you agree? This is hard for us to do. It's really hard for us to go, I have that kind of authority. We understand the concept of authority. We understand the concept of that when a law enforcement officer comes out with a badge that says he's been certain, a certain amount of authority, that he has the authority, or that the President of the United States, or a U.S. Senator, or President of another country, has the authority to speak and things happen. We get that, but why is it so hard for us to understand that the God who created all of us says, you have authority to speak life. You have authority to look at your husband, your wife, your kids, and speak the same life to them, just as Jesus did when he was here on the earth. And just in case you don't believe me, here it is in Scripture. 
Revelation chapter 2, verse 28. It says, and they, this is God talking, they will have the same authority that I received from my Father. And I will also give them this morning star, this, this hope. This is the thing they're pursuing, the thing that I promised them. It's coming. And that's what the Bible tells us. Then he says this in Luke, that I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy so that you can walk among... And let me just stop right here before, we, before I read this. There are a lot of people who read this, and this is where... Have you ever heard of the, all the, the snake? The actual, there are people who do this. The, the snake handlers, and they'll hold snakes, and like, well, if, if God's really God, then the snake's not going to bite me. That's just dumb. Don't do that. Now, God says he's going to protect you, and I, I've walked through the woods before and stepped over like a big rattlesnake, and oh, God's protected me. But if you go grab snakes, you're going to get bit, and you're probably going to die. And then you'll go see Jesus and go, what's up? He said, oh, I didn't tell you to actually pick the thing up. What this is talking about, in their language, the snakes and the scorpions were, were analogies they used for, for the demonic, for, for the devil and his minions. And there are people who base this whole Christian sect, this really just weird, over picking up snakes. That doesn't prove anything. I don't like snakes in any shape, form, or fashion. And so... You know, people, you guys, you can pick them up and play with them and put them on your shoulder and y'all have them have as pets. Y'all are just different. And God, God made you too, but not in my house. But see, we read this and the Bible, this is Jesus saying, look, I've given you authority over the power of the enemy. And so you can walk among snakes and scorpions and you can do what? You can do what? Crush them. Nothing will injure you. You need to know that. You need to know that. Ushers, you guys can go ahead and, and do your thing. What I want to do today, I'm going to, in a minute, I'm going to read over you a psalm. And as, as we close out this today, you know, the psalms were written as, they're really book of prayers. And they were pray. it was King David, most of it, King David praying. And in Psalms, he, he would pray these things, and that's what they recorded. And I'm going to do that in just a minute. Before I do, if you just bow your head and close your eyes, we always do. We're never going to leave here without offering people, whether it be in the room or online, a chance to say, hey, you're talking about all this security and the armor that God gives you and the power of Jesus in my life, but I've never met Jesus. Well, the Bible says that's easy. That if you believe it in your heart, you confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And you pray that right now to yourself. The Bible says that your salvation, that helmet, you're saved and your eternity is secure. And that's easy to do. And God, I thank you for those who are making that decision right now. To meet you for the first time, both in this room, God, and online, maybe watching this later in the week. They say, God, I need to meet you today. And I thank you for that now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, what I'd like to ask you, if you're in the room, why don't you guys go ahead and stand with me at home, maybe just bow your eyes, you know, quieting everybody down. And if I told you today, hey, I got a $100 bill, I'm gonna put it in somebody's hand, what'd everybody do? You'd read, yeah, you put that hand out, I would. I don't have a $100 bill, sorry. I got something better. 
I got some promises that God made us. So even if this is new to you, you don't have to do the whole thing, just this. Like I'm just about to put something valuable in your hands. And just, I want you to extend your hands, close your eyes. And then I'm gonna, I don't want you to look at this. It's gonna be on the screen behind me, but I'm not asking you to look at the screen. I'm asking you just to, to listen. And if anything, go, yeah, God, I want that. Because I want you to, to really soak this in. This is Psalm 91, and I'm going to read this over you, then I'll pray, and we're going to sing, um, sing one more song and, and go celebrate for the fourth weekend, the July 4th weekend. Here's what it says. It says, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of Almighty. It's not an option. You will find rest. Verse 2. This I declare by the Lord. This is David talking. He alone is my refuge. He is my place of safety. and He is my God, and I trust him. Verse 3, for he will rescue you from, a, from every trap, protect you from every deadly disease. There's no exclusions there. Some of you need to take this one and write it on your refrigerator and hang your hat on this because you're believing lies that the Bible said that, you, that the, God can't help you with what ails you. Verse 4, he'll cover you with his feathers, he'll shelter you with his wings, and his faithful promise are your armor for protection. You can, you can claim, you can tell the devil, no, I'm safe and secure because God's armor is my protection. His wings have covered me. In verse 5, don't be afraid of the terrors at night, nor the arrows that flies during the day. Some of you need to, to go to bed tonight and, so, and tell the devil, devil, I'm not going to lose my sleep tonight because the Bible says I don't have to be afraid of anything you may be trying to do to me while I sleep, that I can sleep in peace. In verse 6, do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. I don't know about you guys, but this is the last two years. We're afraid to go outside. We're afraid to touch anything. We're afraid that everything's got some kind of like germs or diseases that are going to jump on us. And all that stuff may be real. Disease and sickness is real, but the Bible says that I don't have to dread it. I don't have to be afraid of it. I don't have to be afraid waiting to see what's going to blow up tomorrow in my life because disaster, the Bible says, I'm shielded from. That though a thousand may fall at your side, though 10,000 may die all around us, the Bible says I can stand there and kick the door and go, this, this mess is not coming to my house. In verse 8, just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. See what happens when you take God out of the mix, when, you, when our lives remove God. David says, hey, see what happens. In verse 9, if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, here's an if-then statement. Look at verse 10. Here's what happens. That no evil will conquer you. No plague. Here's, again, for your home. Go home today and quote Psalm 91.10. No evil's coming near me and ain't no plague coming in my house of any kind. Dissension, disobedience, maybe health, maybe marriage. Uh-uh. It's not attacking my, my life because Psalm 91.10 says no. The words of God tell me I don't have to live that way. Verse 11. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. God, as I travel, we pray this when I travel. God, wherever I go, your angels go with me. The Bible literally tells us in another place that the Holy Spirit goes before, before me, making my steps straight. Verse 12, they will hold you up with their hands so you don't even hurt 
your foot on a stone. Ground may be rough, but the Bible says that, that God is going to lift you through it and take you through it. Verse 13, you're going to trample upon lions and cobras. You'll crush the fierce lions and serpents under your feet. Again, this is not go, telling you to go jump in the lions in the lion's cage at the Columbia Zoo. But God, we know that you're telling us the things we think we can't defeat, the things we think that are bigger than us. In fact, God, you're there. You're, and you cause us to rise above it, to put it underneath our feet. Verse 14, the Lord says, I will rescue those who love me, and I will protect those who trust in my name, who can say that God is my, God is my Savior. He sent his son Jesus for me, who, who proclaimed that out. Verse 15, when they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. Some of you have been struggling to believe, does God even hear me? Is he even going to show up? Here's a verse that tells you that when you do what God's asked you to do, we put on the armor of God, we fight and be offensive about it and go forward and not just sit and be passive. The Bible tells us I'll be with them. And when you call, I'm going to answer. And when it doesn't go right, I'm going to rescue you because I love you. And I'm going to honor your faithfulness. And verse 16 that I will reward them with a long life and give them, give them my what? My salvation. God, I thank you for everybody standing in front of me, everybody watching online with their hands extended. God, I thank you that the truths that we just read and your word, God, deposit them in their lives, deposit them down deep in their spirit. Bring them to their memories, God, that they can stand at the front door of their life, at the front door of their home, in front of their kids, with their families, and say, this is what we've been promised. That my armor, the, the things that God's given me, his word brings peace, protects me. It gives me the offensive weapon to not just sit here and take shots, but to stand up and fight because God is on my side. And God, I thank you for that now. I thank you that life comes, peace comes. And God, some of us just get a little bit PO'd at the devil to go home and say, not in my house, not in my city, not in my county, not on my job, not in my watch. But God, the peace, the power, the grace, the mercy of God, that you show up. God, that we can celebrate our freedom this weekend to worship with a new understanding. That it's not just we sit here and take it. But God, we take it to the enemy. We take it to those things that are coming against us and proclaim your word. Proclaim what your Bible tells us. Even God, maybe when we don't understand it, that I understand, I don't understand how it works, but it says I'm healthy, that I'm whole, that my kids who are wayward are coming home, that my sick family is gonna be healthy, that when life happens and it doesn't go our way, that you bring us peace that goes beyond understanding of this world. And God, I thank you for it now, Father. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name.